Hi everyone, and welcome to Filmmaking Life podcast. Welcome to the Filmmaking Life podcast. I'm your host Nick, and in today's episode, we have such a special guest and significant to me. He's an incredibly talented human and mentor that teaches me and helped me a lot with many aspects of my career. In this episode, we are gonna cover different aspects of being creative and also the business side. One of them are how to be more authentic, how to business yourself as a creator, how to get in outside of your box and understanding the value of what you're giving out and many more things. So stick till the end, you're gonna learn a lot of things. But first, let me introduce you our today's guest. People, may I present you Eric Hercules. What is going on, buddy? Thank you for joining us today. How you doing, man? Thank you so much for having me. Welcome, welcome on the stage, man. I've been I've been waiting so much long for inviting you and having you here sharing some amazing things for people who's listening to us. It's gonna be a good one, man. I'm super excited to talk to you. So, Eric, for those who doesn't really know you, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure, man. I I'm uh, originally from Ecuador. I came to America when I was uh, eight, and uh, I pursued opera singing and classical music for about. I would say 12 years, uh, probably 10 of those years professionally. And then, um, you know, I realized that after conservatory, it, that wasn't going to be my thing. And so I transitioned uh, from opera to photography. At that time, Instagram was just starting. You know, I was lucky to kind of find my my niche and my community through, through, through Instagram. Um, and then met up with a, a couple of New York City legends. You know, at that time, we used to shoot iPhone only. And from then on, I think um, I was, I was, humbly and lucky enough to be able to to create a, a, a beautiful uh, friendship with with creatives who inspired me to become a photographer and that that transitioned me into into photography so I left opera school went to economics did economics for about three years and a half and uh, the last semester of my economics school uh, I, I made my my official switch to photography and since then uh, you know I've, I've created um, a couple of techniques uh, especially in the no Photoshop levitation aspect. Uh, and I've gotten, uh, you know, very lucky to to be able to work with with some of today's top footwear and fashion brands, um, doing my thing, you know, levitating uh, all over the world uh, with 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 pretty cool characters. And um, eventually, I found myself in the agency uh, industry when I realized, you know, creatives um, are really good at doing creativity, but not necessarily uh, the business aspect. And so uh, I kind of. Uh, well, after 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 being broke after my first freelance year, I realized um, it was something that I needed to to look into and, and really um, educate myself in 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 and at. And um, so after that journey, I kind of you know came up with a with a two agencies, one agency that that is focused mostly on my work, and then another agency which was created during the pandemic called In Common, which I think that's how you and I met. In which we help creatives uh, know their business, their brand strategy, their their, their branding, their values, their uh, you know their ethos, their their work leverage, just so that whenever they work with clients, they're able to you know get the get the most uh, value and give the most value to their to their to their um, creative partners. So yeah, man, it's been a it's been quite a uh, quite a journey. I've learned a lot. I've uh, I'm I'm humbled to say I've done a lot. Um, but you know, always with the ethos of how can we grow the community and how can we grow each other. Um, with the end goal of that yeah wow that's amazing and uh, the cool things how we met i think it's a one year almost yeah how well, we met kind kind of a little bit and, less and coming still young <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in those few months let's say i've learned so much that i haven't even learned in my almost 10 year into filmmaking and photography career. So yeah, thank you for that, first of all. Oh, we're super happy to help, man. <laughs> but I'm super curious to know um, how long you've, you've been into actually photography full time? I've been in photography for about eight years now, uh, professionally for six years. Uh, the first um, two years were pretty much me in the streets, um, you know, working just for myself. Um, I think we... We were some of the first people to expand. Uh, you guys know puddle photography, puddle grams. 
but we kind of came up with that in the and and a lot of some some homies were doing it in Europe, but then we brought it back into the states and we made it popping. I actually own the uh, the 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 Puddlegram page. I haven't used it um, in a while, and I'm very ashamed to say so. But uh, that was my first love in photography. It kind of expanded my surrealism. And, and ever since then, I've always been challenging myself to create surrealism within reality. That's my thing. You know, how do we create images that really uh, expand that that vision? So so that's pretty much how I started um, photography. Uh, and then after two years of just getting in there, I wanted to make a living out of photography. And you can't make a full-time living you know, doing puddlegrams and, and pictures of, of street photography <laughs> at that stage, especially. So um, I, I found myself in, in, in commercial photography. One of my friends was a, a big blogger down in Soho. And he, um, you know, he made me work with uh, the first brand called Stutterheim Raincoats. They were very young at the time. And um, their, their, uh, their only creative direction pointer was, I want you guys to elevate the brand. And when they said that, it brought me back to this one 2006 campaign for Lacoste where uh, they were like levitating in the air. It was all photoshopped with beautiful clouds in the back. And I really had, I mean, I, I, I'd forgotten about that image, but the minute that they said we want the brand to be elevated, it brought me back to that. So I, I had, uh, you know, my model jump. And ever since then, I've been having my models jump uh, in pretty much every campaign I've done. Um, and then eventually, you know, it evolved into objects being in the air and then um, with my hands. And then after that, uh, objects being in the air by themselves and then creating, you know, surrealism um, on top of that. So, so that's pretty much my evolution through photography. Um, you know, I think what really picked up was when I started shooting footwear brands. I started off with Palladium boots um, and I did uh, not only their, their campaign stuff, but I ended up doing their whole visual branding strategy. Uh, for pretty much North America and the world, I was uh, their community manager. I connected them with a lot of creatives. And through that, I got to know a lot of creatives. Through that, I got to experience a lot of creativity because I was pretty much, uh, you know, pushing uh, a creative vision for a brand. And then second of all, um, you know, that later evolved into me getting contracts with with brands like Converse and Puma and and Nike that eventually, uh, you know, I think were, were in, in, in a lot of stores and in a lot of flagship stores and billboards that I think um, got the vision out there a little bit more often. So, so yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty much, I think, how We Levitate got started. And then, you know, here we wow. are. <laughs> that's incredible, actually. And uh, I couldn't, cannot even imagine like, how, what it feels like to see your uh, art piece and your visions on the billboards around the city. I and mean, not just... <laughs> three, three years into the career, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't see it possible. And once again, I think I'm very lucky for my, for the time that I got into it. You know, I, it was, it wasn't mm, that much right. competition. Uh, it, it was, it wasn't about the likes and the followers and the influencer mentality. It was more about the work because none of us knew really what photography was going to be in the Instagram world. We thought it was just going to be, we're sharing our, our, our work and we're, um, creating, you know, and it was a beautiful time where there was like, you know, none of, none of that, those externalities to worry about. It was just you doing you. So seeing the work there was very humbling and very uplifting. And it kind of gave me the, uh, um, the perspective of, you know what, this can be done, you know? And so, and so it was very, uh, I was very humbled to be honest with you. Very, very lucky indeed. <laughs> Beautiful. You said something really interesting, uh, while speaking, it's about the timing, right? Because uh, a lot of people doesn't really realize that, first of all, it takes time to build something uh, as an artist in your career. But also, it is very important to uh, do things right on time, right? Because if you think about it, right now, we're on a year on social media where almost everything is already explored. So if so, for example, in your case, you came up with something crazy just way years back uh, that helped you that helped you right now. Yeah, be I what mean, you are. I, I would like to I would like to say almost everything has been explored except the depths of your humanity within your work. Instagram has been um, creating a lot of facade in the industry, especially in photography. You know, the facade of I've been there, I've done that. Look at this hype stuff. And um, I mean, 
I, w- I was pretty early on living that kind of life. And, and I went through a period of existential crisis. My first breakdown was, I think, uh, yeah, this, this, the, first, the first year of my freelance career ended. And, you know, I had pretty much everything I wanted out of my photography career out of my first year. You know, I had gone with the brands that I liked. I had gotten my billboards that I dreamed of. I had worked with people that I only dreamed of. And then at the end of the tunnel, I felt, I felt empty. And I realized that, you know, my young, my young hype uh, personality of trying to prove to the world, like, oh my God, look, I can do it, um, wasn't enough for a long lasting career, you know? And, and so I realized that um, I was very lucky, yes, that I found my niche very early on, but then I was also very fortunate to experience what it feels like to get uh, what you want out of your career fairly early on as well. And I came out of the other side way more much humbled, realizing that a lot of the times the externalities that we see as goals, as you said, you know, looking at my image on a billboard is not enough. And so I've I've been bringing it back to the reality of my art and what it means lately. And I've come to find that, you know, enjoying the process and learning more about yourself within your work is the purpose of being an artist. And uh, I recommend for everybody listening is look into your work and try to find yourself in there. What makes it connect to you? You know, even if it's different than everybody else, I mean, that's the best thing, but don't do it for differentiation's sake. Do it for your own sake. Do it for the journey. And I think you'll learn a lot more about yourself and your art more than just doing something hype to look cool and different. Wow, that that was deep, my friend. That was really deep. <laughs> I really enjoyed what you said. <laughs> so... Since we're getting really deeper uh, now on this podcast, which I really like, to be honest with you, uh, from your perspective, being like a creative in 2021, what it means? I think we have a bigger role than what we think. Um, looking at it from the agency perspective, you know, I'm the, I'm the general, uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm pretty much in the American Influencer Council as a Secretary General. And uh, my job is there to, to speak on behalf of creatives directly with Instagram and, and Snapchat and TikTok and trying to let them know, hey, like we deserve more from you guys. And um, listen, here's our value. And they understand the power of creativity. Now, the problem I've come to see is that creatives don't understand the power of their own creativity. And so from the economic sense, I find that we're giving a lot of these platforms a lot of leverage, but we don't understand that without us, their leverage will be weakened. And in fact, their economic status will be weakened as well, because you don't go to Instagram to see, you know, your friend's picture of a pizza. You go to Instagram to get inspired. You go to Instagram to learn more things. You go to Instagram to see the to do's and to, and to, and to get work that, you know, that scroll down and see, you know, your best friends doing cool things that challenge themselves and then eventually challenge you. And so being a creative in this industry at this time within social media, we have to be more awake at the, um, at the power that we hold as creatives. Because for so long, we've been uh, positioned against each other, when in reality, it's the creative industry against everything else. It's not you against me, it's us against the, the, the systematic side. You know, Once again, coming from the agency side, I've seen uh, how the money is, 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 is funneled through there. And I see a lot of middlemen-ness that, that worked in the 90s because we didn't have systems. But now that we have, you know, systems that do everything for us, uh, a lot of a lot of these companies um, don't know how to transition and are still leeching money from away from creativity. And so, um, creative guys, everybody who's listening here, you guys are much more powerful than you think. Uh, ask for your rates, know your vision, know your value, know your leverage, um, and eventually be more outspoken with your prices with your friends, so that eventually you guys can charge more instead of charging less and, and fighting each other against the, the bottom. It's called the crabs in a barrel mentality. I don't know if you've heard it, but it's, you know, instead of, you know, the crab that's trying to get out of the barrel and then more crabs pull it down. And I think for so long we've been living through that. And now I think through this new, uh, in, uh, through this new age, uh, we've come to realize we're much more, you know, powerful together. You've been from the, from the creative side, 
you've been from the business side, so you pretty much know how brands think and how creative thinks. What do you think for creatives uh, are at the beginning their biggest challenges? Um, sometimes we try to do, we, we try to fit a box of what we think we should be. You know, um, when I first started, I called myself a commercial photographer very proudly. I mean, I'm still a, a very proud commercial photographer. I'm very proud of the work that I did in that realm. But the reason I did that was because I expected the market to treat me as a commercial photographer, which means get paid for your for your work, you know. And although I did, I realized later on in my career that I had put myself in a box. And you know, much deeper, the psychology of humanity is very is very faulty at times because if we do enough of something, everybody in the community and around us is going to be, oh, you're that guy that did this. And so for so long, for four years out of my life, out of my creative career, um, you know, I created this thing called, uh, you know, pretty much we levitate, levitation without Photoshop. And I challenge myself everywhere. I've put a lot of you know new creative ideas into the market has been exported in pretty much every facet of fashion and, and footwear photography. You might have seen levitating shoes everywhere, um, and I was proud of that. But then at the same time, I realized I had sold my vision to commerciality, and it was no longer only mine. And it was also something that sold little kids' Nikes as opposed to sold an ethos and 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 the and the value of the work as it is without the shoes being there. And so I realized a lot of the times we creatives try to go for something shiny and glittery, thinking that that's going to be making our brand and, and our vision better. But in reality, it's much, much deeper than that. And as an artist, if you want to maintain yourself um, holistically you, you want to maintain yourself really you, find something, well, no matter what it is, that speaks your truth. It doesn't need to be commercial photography for the fact that you're going to be working with a brand. It doesn't need to be wedding photography for the fact that you're going to be working, you know, with, with beautiful brides or, or like in beautiful places. So it gets you to travel. Think much deeper. Think about what the work means to you. What I always tell young creatives is find. Well, first of all, shoot everything because you never know what's going to be you. You know, there's people that like randomly ended up uh, at, a, at a night show and then shot this concert and then fell in love with concert photography, you know. But it happened by luck. And if, 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 if that wouldn't have happened, it would have never done uh, concert photography. So what I what I did when I was younger, I shot everything. I Googled everything. I'm a YouTube university graduate. Uh, I learned everything of YouTube. Um, you know, I saw everything there was to be about photography. I saw everything there was to be from aperture to, to, to shutter speed. And this was like very limited YouTube, like seven, eight years ago. You know, there weren't that many YouTubers out there. So there was like few things and I had to read a lot and like all these like super old blogs. But I learned a lot and I learned a lot through trial and error. And people don't understand that, you know, something that I learned in fashion, I mean, in, in, in concert photography will help me with commercial. Something that I learned in wedding photography will help me with portrait. Something that I learned in portrait photography will help me with with with. Uh, with uh with campaigns you know and so all these things are actually tied together to create the dna of your artistry so a when you're young shoot everything as much as you can don't be afraid don't be you know and at times it doesn't even need to go on your instagram on your portfolio just shoot it for the sakes of understanding the complexities of what makes a good photo in that perspective and then evolve and then move on and then move on and then move on and what you're gonna feel and and realize is that at the end of all that journey, at the end of the, all that exploration, you come back and uh, you're your own self. You know what to shoot. You know what you prefer, what you like, because you've tried everything. And in fact, you're going to do it so much better now because you have all the pre-existing experience. Um, so try everything. And I think that's going to lead you to, to the right thing. You know, levitation happened by chance. I was shooting my friend for a fashion brand, fashion brands, you know, regular street campaign but we decided to take it one 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 level up just by him jumping and that began literally my whole journey in levitation photography that later expanded into shoes and sneakers and watches and and brands you know but it but it but it started pretty small and humble that's incredible so people uh, who's listening as creatives uh you have never stopped to learn Right, because if you stop, then you really stop to. That's it. Oh, you brought up such a good point, man. Um, I got I dr I drank from the ego juice for a bit. You know, the last three years, um, people started calling me, "Yo, you're the levitation guy. Like you're that guy that did this." You know, and 
what I tell people is don't limit yourself by what society defines you as. You know, again, if if you're the levitation dude, I'm not just a levitation dude. I can do so much more, you know, and having that open mindedness to not limit yourself to what people call you is such a powerful thing, man. Because to be honest with you, uh, this is the first time I'm saying this in a podcast, but I was hella bored of levitation photography. It was way too easy for me. I was I, I got to a level where it was like in one shot, like boom, done, boom, done. I would go upstairs, do a campaign in 15 minutes, come back down and have 30 images to choose from. All no Photoshop, all like really, you know, uh, energetic. But I wasn't feeling it because I was no longer challenging myself. And as a creative, you have to be constantly feeling like a student and having that open mindedness to learn. That's where I think, you know, my next chapter right now, I'm, I'm studying angles from a very scientific and mathematical way. And the reason I'm studying angles right now is to get back to my street photography, which is where I was born, creatively speaking, and be uh, to tie it all together. You know, I'm involving a lot of things that I learned in music into photography again. Uh, music has inspired me more than any photographer has because it's shown me the essence of of um, of, of the system behind a, an art. You know, I, I studied opera for, for quite a bit and they teach you colors and, and patterns and ups and downs of a melody or how to tell a story correctly. And uh, when you uh, pretty much take that and invoke that in, 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 in levitation, it pretty much works the same way, you know. Um, but, uh, oh, I'm so sorry, I got so much off track. I apologize. Um, but we were talking about the, oh, being a student. Um, so now I consider myself, you know, not only the levitation guy. I'm here to be a student. I don't know where my work is going to go. And I'm pretty damn excited because I have no fucking idea. Sorry if I cursed. <laughs> yeah, I, have, I just, you know, I'm just letting it be now instead of, me defining my artistry i'm letting my artistry define me that's incredible and i feel like at some point of our career whatever is if it's the start whatever it's in the middle of the end of the career we all felt kind of stuck uh, i bet you felt felt the same at some point of your career or as you just said i was just bored uh, bored about my shots because it's everything like super quick to me right uh what would be uh the best suggestion you come over that like you evolved your creativity i i've realized that well i guess meditation is just good for life right but meditating on the purpose of your work because once you find a purpose and you have a place to go to you're never going to be bored because there are always going to be challenges that you need to overcome in order for you to get to that place. And that place doesn't need to be something quantifiable. Like I need to work for a Nike or I need to work for a Puma or I have to get this billboard. But it needs to be deeper. It needs to be a lifelong purpose. For me, I chose it, creatively speaking, to be redefining surrealism within reality and understanding the mechanics of maximizing a shot. That's my purpose. It's a very broad purpose. But what it allows me to do is expand and all that forever because you can't get a perfect shot that means everything ever but the search for something like that is powerful you never know where you're gonna land and also it's broad enough for me to not limit myself as a levitation photographer but also do editorial also do architecture also do you know people photography also do street photography all with an unlimited potential of reaching a goal that perhaps might never be reached but at least appreciating the process of, of, of going for it, you know? So, so, um, you know, how do you overcome, uh, feeling bored or feeling stuck is getting out of your comfort zone. I've actually come to realize during this pandemic that unless you grow out of your comfort zone, in fact, I will actually debate in order for you to live a happy life, you need to get out of your comfort zone and you need to get out of your comfort zone often because the minute you stop, you realize, oh wait, you know, I'm doing something that I've, I'm, I, I'm not gaining from anymore and that takes away from the purity of of life life is about experiencing it life is about challenging and overcoming life is about uh proving yourself wrong in a very uh open-minded and kind way you know so when you look at art look at it as a challenge how can i make it better for myself how can i understand the intricacies of what it means to me on a fundamental level and when you really dig that deep and make that be the journey i mean you know I think you're going to live a very happy life. I haven't been this happy in so long, man. 
And um, this is me, you know, expanding and just doing it for the work, not no longer for the brands, no longer for the accolades, no longer for what what the externalities of photography, but doing it for photography itself. So I recommend people to to have that inside search for sure. Just have a really, really high, uh, high level purpose to yourself, not just to be, you know, as you said, working for certain brands that you love, but so it needs to be something deeper, right? I 100% relate on that because, you know, at some point of your career, when you work with a lot of brands, uh, which you happen to, to have, I, for, I was lucky to work with a lot of my dream brands. And then after that, you realize, and then what is next, right? And then you need to, and then you realize like something much deeper. I I can hundred percent relay what you just said. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a um, you know, the go getter mentality only stops in a certain place once you get the goal. And if the goal is palpable, if the goal is this billboard, this brand, this person, this uh country, this shot, you know, in in Italy or this shot in France, once you get it, you realize. Oh, that was just part of the journey. You're going to live the next day and realize, well, that's done. What's next? You know, so the goal, the goal in life needs to be much, much deeper, as, as you said, and, and much more extensive. You know, now it's not. So one of my first goals with levitation was to challenge surrealism within reality with levitation. But it only got so far because there's only so much you can do without Photoshop and levitation photography, you know, and I. I mean, I don't want to sound cocky, but I think I really got as close as I can to no Photoshop photography ever. You know, like people still think it's Photoshop. People still think like, how did you do that? And like, I've got to the place where like, I feel comfortable enough with levitation photography. So what's next? What's the next challenge? And now the next challenge is not external. It's not trying to prove anybody anything about levitation photography. It's trying to prove myself the value of photography for what it is and maximize that as much as I can so that you know, my subjects and also the, the, the people looking at my work get something out of my images and, and think a little deeper from looking at my images. And that is fundamentally a philosophy. It's not, it's not just really a goal. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a living thing. Incredible. Yeah, definitely. I hope everyone who was listening really could have relate on that because that's hundred percent true. Uh, one thing, um, Eric, I wanted to also touch base about, uh, in a creative space is business side, uh, because I think business size is as much as important as a creativity side. And without that, you basically can make a living of it, but it's not just, you know, make a living of it. It's, you know, uh, supporting your art, your vision, and giving some value to even the brands, right? So my ne next question is, uh, uh, what do you think uh, it's the right mentality to have when it comes mm. to working with brands? It, it took me a bit to figure this one out because I think we creatives are naturally uh, very psychologically attached to our work. But the minute that you start getting paid for it, it almost, it's almost like selling your babies, you know? And it's painful, and it's painful because they mean, they mean, you know, your work means something much more bigger than money. But at the same time, you have to pay your bills. And at the same time, you know, as I said before, the, the creatives were very nice people in, in terms of like valuing our work at times. And we, we undersell it a lot. I think 90, 95% of creatives undersell their value. I think um, I'm one of the, one of those <laughs> bad people here. Well, my brother, we're working <laughs> on it. So we're working on it, you know? <laughs> um, but so I think a couple of things, a, we need to learn how to compartmentalize. It took me a little bit longer, but you need to understand business is business. Creativity is creativity, two different things. Um, how do you combine those things? Um, honestly, so, I mean, so you need to look at a couple of things, right? First of all, sit down and something that we did an exercise with you is something that, that we developed that in common in, in Hercules, New York, was your leverage sheet. You sit down and you write down everything you bring to the table from pre-production, uh, you know, to, to scouting, to model scouting, to location scouting, to, to, to uh, you know, mood boards to creative direction, to art direction, 
to videography, to filmography, to uh, to 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 director of photography, to to uh, strategist. You know, all these things that come along, or even post production. You know, color correct, like all these things. You 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 forget that agencies charge for. You know, when you look at the billing of why agencies charge so much. I mean, agencies are exactly the same as creatives. It's just a corporation on top of that. You know, it's just a corporation of creatives. But if you look into it, they're getting paid millions of dollars. The white candidates of the world are getting paid millions of dollars to do exactly what you and I do, except on a bigger scale. And so how come they're getting paid so much money and then the general consensus of photographers are not or creatives aren't getting paid that much is because we don't know how to quantify it. So the quantification of your value through your leverage sheet, which we had in common pretty much created, um, gives you that confidence to say, you know what, I'm much more than just getting, uh, you know, uh, uh, arriving at the shoot and then taking a couple of pictures and then that's it. We bring so much more value. And now, especially that we're living through a social media age in which not only are you a photographer or videographer, but you're also a strategist. You're also a brand brand placement guy. You're also a community manager. You're also a networker. You're also like a branding positioning, you know, all these things, um, visual strategies, branding strategies, you know, all these things carry a value that if you don't know how to speak on, people will automatically assume it's part of the process. So the most important thing for, for creatives is A, to contextualize and, and analyze your value, write it all down so that whenever you have a meeting or whenever create, uh, brands hit you up, you say, okay, uh, what, what would you like me to do is not just simple photography. This is all what comes with it. And then you send, you know, uh, the, the, the pick, um, things from your leverage sheet that that you know are going to be involved within that that production and and you know you send a number in accordance to each one of those things and and you'll find yourself having a more receptive conversation with the brands because they're going to understand where you're coming from now right in addition um uh, another part of the leverage is your you know your previous clientele and um you know, one of the questions you might have or creators might have is like, well, how do I end up working for a Nike or a Puma or a Swatch or an Adidas? Uh, the, the key here is start small, start humble. You know, I don't think, I mean, I started with, with a, with a relatively unknown brand, you know, Palladium Boots. They're pretty known, but not, not that known, but they allowed me to kind of build a crazy amount of leverage because I was pretty much, you know, at 20, 21, 22, like pretty much in charge of like leading a visual direction there. And so it gave me the, 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 the outlook of how brands look at creatives. And I realized um, I'm going to make a lot of the things that I've been dreaming of working with Adidas, at Puma, at Nike, at, at Swatch, like all these big brands. I was going to do it at this small brand because A, uh, if I failed, I mean, no one was going to know. And B, if I succeeded, it was going to be something that brought the brand a lot of value. You know, within that year alone, we, you know, we increased uh, Palladium's Instagram, I think about uh, 48%, which is unheard of anywhere else. We got him from 40, 48,000 to 100K within a year. Uh, we grew their Instagram by 200%. Um, and we created something called the Palladium Explorers. It wasn't just me, but it was it was um, myself and, and the team from Europe in which we really created a community, you know. But needless to say, all these things taught me the value of just being creative and being communicative. So if I take all these things that I did at a brand and then apply it to myself and my brand, I realized, okay, um, do things that will up your value. Start working with smaller brands because smaller brands, A, need more of your help than these big brands do. B, are sometimes more willing to pay than a lot of these big brands do because they don't have the leverage, right? And C, they will give you the opportunity to succeed, because what happens is if you give your full value to a lot of these small brands, they will invest in you as they grow. You know, the way I've seen it is you always want to work with brands at your caliber and, and, and 30 to 50 percent higher than you. So you're always escalating in terms of branding. But at the same time, you're never far fetching too much. I mean, if a Nike comes to you, amazing. But just make sure you charge, you know, the right amount. A lot of creatives you know, go straight for the Nikes and then you come to find out that all they got was a shoe and $200 for a post. And, and it's like, no, I know that agency made money off you. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. I know it. I've seen the bills. I've seen the receipts. And um, and it's and it's sacrilegious for, for creatives to do this, you know, not only for them, but just for the whole industry. They have to realize that they're, they should be getting paid not only for their posting, but also for their creative direction, also for their production and, and their day rate, you know. And so um, 
anyway, coming, bringing it back, learn your leverage, build the leverage with smaller brands, you know, do 10 small brands, then pitch to a higher brand, do 10 medium brands and pitch to the higher brand, then then two large brands and then go and pitch to the big brands. At that time, I think you'll have enough leverage to, to, to be able to speak confidently about your work and, and enough leverage to show exactly what you mean with your creative direction. I think I'm going to use this suggestion of also for myself. <laughs> please, oh please, please. This is for everybody. <laughs> this is this is really good good uh good things. And then I have another question which is uh, a very mainstream question. Do you agree uh that creatives should often work for free? It depends on the scenario, you know. The uh, Gary V says yes. I disagree slightly. Um, and I'm coming at it from multiple ways. A is what the context of free is. What kind of value are you getting from a brand, right? Um, I think we're at a moment where logos aren't as useful as they were anymore. Trust me, I've been there and I've done that. And I realized a lot of the times, a lot of these brands don't give a hell out of your logos, you know? So... The importance of getting a logo on your portfolio is not as important as the uniqueness of your work and what you got to bring to the table. Because I know for a fact, a lot of young photographers who like don't have, they have like 3,000, 4,000 followers on Instagram, but like they're making good money with big brands because they're not focused on the branding. They're focused on the actual work, you know? Uh, there's one in Paris. I forgot his name, but he does a lot of the Puma stuff. Great, great guy. So... So yeah, work work will always be king. Your 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 portfolio will always be king. You know, content is king. That's the general rule. I don't debate that. So let that speak for you on be before anything, right? Now, working for free is also an aspect of um you know, Yes, there will be times that you work for free, but also understand that if you're working for free for a big brand, somebody somewhere is making a lot of money out of you. Just so you know, and and I hope this makes you feel a little shittier, but also, you know, if you're willing to take the chance, go ahead. Like, I don't blame you. We've all been there. But somewhere, somewhere is looking at you and saying, you know what? This is a young photographer or this photographer doesn't know his or her leverage. Uh, let's throw him a pair of shoes and, and see what he does. I can't you know? even remember how many times you told me that literally feeling me like oh my gosh <laughs> i mean i've seen i've seen brands make like 70 agencies make 70 80 grand out of out of my work you know straight up straight up i came up with creative directions art directions like the whole production brought my cast in and uh you know they yeah, i've gotten like the, the wrong reports sent my way and it's like wait you charge that and i'm getting paid this excuse me you know so so i mean i'm just more open-minded right now and and the, and the reason why i'm very open about this is because we as an industry need to change how we look at each other you and i aren't working against each other we're working with each other together because my exactly that's how the industry wins uh, is when we help each other push one another so that when a Nike or a big brand hits hits us up, you know, even if you're a small time guy, you know what the value of working with Nike is. So you're going to charge them that because they have the budget. Listen, a lot of these brands, they are gaining money year after year. I mean, who do you think is making them get money? It's social media. Who do you think is posting the dopest images in social media? It's creatives, you know, designing for the animations, illustrations. So so you have to regain that value and, and you have to regain that confidence. Um, so once again, yeah, working for free is a tricky thing. I can't tell you yes or no. It's up to you to decide. But I'm just letting you know the schematics and the parameters so that you go into it with the right mindset, you know. Um, and I mean, listen, we've all done it. And a lot of the times I would suggest if you're going to do something for free, do it for, for companies that matter. You know, I've done a lot of stuff for for. NGO, non-governmental organizations. I've I've done a whole rebranding for 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 a for a couple of uh you know UN UN related brands. Uh, we've done free work and websites and and branding strategy for a lot of nonprofits. You know those are the ones I'm willing to work for free because guess what? If this nonprofit works well or this uh, non-governmental organization works well, they're gonna make us look good. It's still a, a great leverage. But it was with a good purpose and it still gave us um, portfolio work for us to be able to utilize, you know, whenever we deem possible. So so make sure you make the right decisions and, um, you know, make sure that it is for a long term aspect. And also, 
you know, don't be shy about requesting uh, money if it, if it's if it's uh, if it's if they come at you with some free free you know uh, compensation. You'll be surprised at how much these brands will be like. You know what? We like your work enough to invest. Here's you know a thousand dollars or whatever it is. Um, but once again, you have to be able to have the conversation. You know, be, be like know your value because you can't just be like, oh, it's gonna be five thousand uh, dollars. why is it gonna be that? Oh, because this 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 and that. You know. And one thing I wanted to add on top of that is actually, if you're going to work for free, make sure uh, you have a creative freedom, right? Because you don't want to do something that it, that you don't want to do and, and either against you for free, right? Beautifully said. Yes, man. A lot of the times, I mean, it's a question of... See, the way I look at business is a win-win situation now. I'm not trying to take advantage of anybody. I'm not trying to work with with brands for their their logos, with brands for their, you know. I'm trying to say, listen, I'm bringing a lot of value to the table. This is what my value is. This is why it makes sense. And this is why my price is the way it is. And if you want it, take it. And if you don't, it's okay. You know, we're going to live. And so coming at it with a peace of mind of, Let's both win. I'm not just here for your logos, but I'm here to bring you value. And I'm here to like show you why it costs that much to do this. Now, I think it's a, it's a mutual respectful partnership. And that's what I think I'm, I'm trying to teach the creatives. We're trying to teach the creatives that in common, you know, it's how do we create value for both you and the brands so that the brands, A, like working with you, and then B, you also like working with the brands. Because I think, you know, you said it correctly. A lot of the times we creatives under overwork and underpay get underpaid with brands that we don't give a fuck about because we're trying to like, you know, make, make, make the ends meet or something like that. When in reality, it should be a bigger conversation. You know, if you look into the format of the business, you'll come to realize it's not as hard as it looks. Once you, once you grow a thick skin enough, you, you're able to have the conversations that are a little hard for creatives, but it, you know, nothing in, in life that mattered really came easy. So, so, so get yourself out of the comfort zone not only artistically, but also business-wise. And you'll, you'll find the light at the end of the tunnel for sure. Awesome. Awesome advices. Uh, everything that you just said, I will apply also for me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, man. <laughs> um, so, okay. Uh, the next thing uh, is what I feel, not just me, but I feel every creative that is struggling with is communicate in a proper way their value what is the like the best way what is the most effective way to enough uh, uh, communicate your value and just another question on top of that is um, many people thinks that if you have enough social media following you have value <laughs> which is kind of tricky thing right <sighs> uh, i can talk about that for days let's man. go <laughs> um the, the 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 first question is you know how do you, how do you explain your value you know, so this this leverage sheet that I'm telling you guys about is is the key. The leverage sheet will always stay with you. You're not going to email it to anybody because they can use that against you. The leverage sheet is your personal quantification of what your value is. You know, every person's leverage what, is different. What you does know? what does that mean? Um, it means that it's 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 going to be your personal checklist to what you have okay. to bring to the table. You know, if you work with an with an with a with a, you know, a footwear brand is going to be different than if you were working for a camera brand. So the leverage is going to be different, right? You can't show them all the same leverage because I mean, me working with a with a with a Puma is not going to make any difference to Canon. Canon wants to see how I worked with a Leica, how I worked with a Sony, how I worked with a, you know, a Panasonic or whatever it is. Um they want to see that experience. So, you know, this leverage sheet um, oh, I guess the, the third thing would be, you know, list your skill set, list the brands that you've previously worked with, and also list a network of people that you can contact and, and create things together. Now we're living in a, in a social age in which, you know, you and I can work on things from completely different countries, which we're, that's exactly what we're doing right now. And, um, and still be able to, you know, have a cohesive product at the end of the day. And so, um, you know, your network is important. It is important. Um, and actually you can use that as co-leverage. You know, I have a permission from a lot of my friends to be able to name drop them whenever I, I pitch a big gig. And it's with the understanding of if I eat, you're going to eat, you know, and, 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 it's, and it's with the understanding of 
I can, I'm letting you use my leverage because I've worked so hard with this one, but I know that you're going to bring a lot of value to me as well. And so once again, it comes to the, the perspective of how do we all win together? It's a bigger community than what you think. It's a bigger market than what you think. And so the opportunities are honestly endless if you know how to look for them. Um, that. The second thing would be, you know, the influencer shit. Uh, I've never called myself, you know, an influencer, yeah, we, even we, though I am. We had that word. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I am. I am part of the Influencer Council of America, you know. But and and, and the reason why we're doing it is to redefine what the influencer economy is. And uh, you know, let's just, just to let you in a, in a in a quick thing. But we are working with, you know. Uh, the creator of GDPB, if you, if you look into uh, Harvard Business Review, has a great article he, which he wrote, but it's, it's basically the creator economy, in which has always been quantified as zero. But now we're working into redefining the creator economy and put a monetary value in it. And uh, it's very important, I think, for the future of creators to understand our monetary value, you know. But coming back to it, influencing is a separate gig outside of your creativity. I want you to understand that influencing to me and listen like i haven't searched for influencers i barely post on instagram lately i'm just getting back at to it now but with the goal of not getting influence because i know naturally influence is a byproduct of the value i bring to the table a lot of people do things you know the very hyped up things uh, you know how to do this in two seconds kind of thing to to in, in a way that is more um People like to call it organic. I think it's pretty facade, man. You know, it's like, I'm just trying to get more followers. For example, you, the difference between you and, 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 and a lot of these influencers is that you're bringing value to the creatives. You know, you're like, yo, this is the BTS of how it, like what it takes to do this. Or like, this is how, you know, like a film, like let's look, look, look at all these edits that took to make this one particular aspect of this film. You know, it brings value. And so I think to me, the biggest thing with the influencers is A, the influencer economy. I mean, a lot of a lot of it's evolving pretty quickly right now, you know, but don't do it for the influencing sakes. Do it for authenticity sakes, because authenticity to me speaks more value than influencing. You know, um, I think I get paid pretty damn well per post and I don't have that many followers, but I'm I, I'm able to sell my leverage. I'm able to sell what I do. I'm able to sell my authenticity and I'm able to stay true to myself and my artistry. And a lot of the brands now I've spoken to, you know, even Nike, they work with less designers. I mean, uh, less known designers who are who have a stronger community because they're worried about the community and their product more than they are about the followers and the influencing. Eric, that was really interesting. And this brought me to another question. So... If you have a large following and you have pretty big experience and also a big brand's portfolio, what do you think it's the next step of communicating with brands, dealing with brands? Well, it depends what your your strategy is, right? Uh, the, the best strategy I've seen and the best strategy that I, I've worked with, you know, behind the scenes for brands as a consultant is the long-term vision. I've been a big voucher for the long-term vision before it was cool. Uh, a lot of the times I think influencer marketing is always a pay-for-play thing. But, you know, the market has gotten incredibly smart in telling, oh, you know what, that's a different pair of sneakers now. Oh, now you're now you're promoting Pumas. Now you're promoting Nikes. Now you're promoting... You want to be, uh, you know, just like I am with, you know, uh, I'm a Sony ambassador. I can't rock anything else in Sony. And you know what? I like it because Sony is popping. I love Sony, you know. And so it works with my branding and it works with what I believe in. Um, so I think, you know, with big, with big brands like yourself, like filmmakers, it is um, finding a value that works both for you and the client. So for example, instead of having a one-time fee per post, maybe do, you know, 20, 20, 20 posts for the year at X amount, you know, maybe a discounted rate of 15, 20%. Uh, or maybe add like uh, maybe add like five stories that normally you would charge a crazy amount of money for, uh, you know, add them as part of the, the rate if they were to book you for the year. Try to find experiential stuff. You know, you're big into the community. Your community is huge. Work with with them and redefining how can we bring value to our community uh, together on behalf of you. You foot the bill, but we make sure to tell the right story and educate our community as you know, as we're letting them know a little bit more about your brand, you know. 
And the thing here is, I'm a, I've, I've seen, you know, working pretty much in the field since it started working in, in commercial and fine art and and in and, 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 uh, the influencer market and the agency aspect, I'm able to tell the trends before they happen. Uh, and then also being, you know, photographer in New York, I guess I'm, I'm very lucky to, to, to do that. But I think the next trend right now is is people look at it as a trend, but I've always looked at it as a, as a lifestyle, but it's community building, man. At the end of the day, no matter what business you're in, you're in the people business. And people and consumers and creatives have been so fucking disrespected for so long. And we're kind of understanding the intricacies and the systematic failures behind that. And so what I'm working with brands to do now is to redefine how they talk with creatives, how they work alongside creatives, and how they work side along creatives, work alongside creatives to redefine their communities because ultimately you know if i was to do something really great for the community on behalf of brand x well guess what little kids that were affected by what brand x did in this community are going to grow up thinking you know what brand x did this for me you know i will forever be thankful for them i will invest into their shoes i will invest into their cell phones i will invest into their 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 uh you know whatever product they're bringing in and bring it bring in bring it out uh coming up with and, but it's a long-term vision and a lot of brands and a lot of, you know, CEOs or a lot of like uh, business people don't have the foresight to see the long-term investment. I'm in here for the long-term, you know, I'm taking a lot of L's within common. We're investing heavy on creatives, asking for nothing back because we know that creatives are the future and we're willing to invest in them even if brands are not. Because by the time the brands are ready to invest, we already have a system fully serviced that has already changed the many lives of many creatives and communities before they've even foot the bill. You made me so excited for what's going to come next in your income on agency, which I'm really stoked. But speaking about, you know, predicting things uh, as you have a lot of experience in the past and now in the future, what do you think is going to be the next big thing inside of you know creative space influential space brand space like what do you what do you think it's gonna be the next big thing well um you know for creative the, the creative space is is i think living through the new renaissance uh no one predicted what was going to come out of the renaissance but beautiful things are coming out of the Renaissance. We're seeing the NFT market exploding right now. I have a lot of great, great, great friends who are deep into that, uh, and I've, uh, I've I've been very open minded with with. And in fact, many of those friends I started with, you know, doing puddlegrams and, and iPhone only Photoshops back in the day. So it's so funny seeing how we've grown to become the people that we have because of the community that we were surrounded with, you know. So I think a. Um, you know, the systems of the internet have opened have, have opened the floodgates for for vast amounts of of different cultures and communities to finally align with one another. So I see a systematic reform as a future for creatives. We are understanding our value a little bit more. Um, I'm very open as as you you know with with everybody about the business side of of creativity because I think it's important for us to finally talk about this. It's not it's nothing wrong. I can be a fantastic creative but i can also be a fantastic businessman we got to get it out of our heads that just because we're great businessmen we are not creatives or just because we're great creative we can't be businessmen we can be both and it's okay you know and it actually makes you more powerful because you're able to talk to people that have a left side brain uh, you know left left brain and right brain kind of people like you have to learn how to be at the center of that so communications wise i think we are going to evolve into that we're going to be able to be cognizant of our power in fact i think in the future creatives are going to be you know it already seems but we're, we're understanding our value and we're coming to realize we're much more powerful together once again so so that understanding i think is changing i think uh the future for creativity is unlimited at this point you know 4d animation 3d rendering all that stuff i think it's going to keep progressing um cross collaborations just like you and i and like a lot of other people around the world um are going to just keep furthering the vision you know I think um, you know the influencer marketing is here to stay. I've also you know I, I understand that that's a, that's an economy. That's why we joined Influencer Council of America. That's why we're working on the GDPB um, study. And so I think the the creative economy is going to switch. You know, right now, I don't know if, if if you guys know a little bit about advertising industry, but the advertising industry is you know the commercials and and brands and and the billboards and all that stuff. But eighty to ninety percent of that budget is spent on 
paying distributors such as TVs, um, billboard placements, and about 20 or whatever is left, I'm talking about 5% of the budgets, are actually spent on creative output. That is sickening to me. I think my theory is that influencer marketing is going to become the new advertising industry. It's already, it's already here to stay. AKA, we are becoming the distributors. We are becoming the distributors. That means that we have more bargaining power to ask for more. So instead of getting whatever's left out of these advertising budgets, or even only 20%, we're going to come and dictate a lot more from that budget. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem. You know, unfortunately, a lot of creatives don't know. And I, I want everybody to, you know, if you can share this podcast with everybody, because I want everybody to know this. Um, we need to understand our value because otherwise we are heading to a place in which none of us will be able to make a living out of creativity because everybody's going to be like, well, I could do it for free, you know, whatever. But it's not until you understand the value of it's not the fact that you're doing it for free, but it's the fact that you're bringing in value that you come to quantify it in economic terms and you're able to actually change that. And, and fundamentally, you know, get paid more from it. So understand that. Um, so yeah, you know, I think I think influencer marketing, advertising is is a new is a new thing. It's going to be the new wave at a higher, much much exponential thing than we've ever seen it before. We've already seen, you know, with with YouTubers getting Netflix shows. We've already seen it with with uh, Instagrammers getting like their own like. Um, you know, uh, brands and like, you know, sometimes like, you know, the Kim Kardashian thing, like coming up with a makeup and selling it in a day and becoming billionaires, like that is so powerful. And all of us have a piece of that equity. All of us have that potential to become the next Kim Kardashians. Although, you know, that's not my style, but, but we all have that, that same viability. And once you are able to understand that, I mean, life changes. So it's a pretty exciting time. It's a pretty scary time as well. A lot of competition, but I think once again, authenticity will be king. You know, everybody's trying to copy each other, but I think what really stands out is authenticity. And it's not the bullshit authenticity that everybody talks about, the whitewash one. I'm talking about really you speaking your truth, saying shit that perhaps might be, you know, hurting certain perspectives because I want to start a debate. I want to start a conversation because ultimately I might be wrong in a lot of things, but I'm saying this full heartedly so that people can come to me and say, you know what? I think actually this is what's going on. So we can both understand each other and ultimately meet halfway to create a world that's 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 better for all of us as opposed to fighting, you know, each other for I I agree with you. Things that are not worth it. No, I agree with you because uh, uh the world is getting really smaller and smaller, right? And with all those platforms that support creatives, like the newest one, NFTs, right? where you can truly be yourself creating things and getting supported in, in, in the correct way a month, let's say a month of, you know, uh, monetary way. So I think creative is going to build their uh, scarcity mindset. So the brands will eventually have to change the way they do the things. Yeah, my biggest fear is, you know, I've dealt with a lot of brands who understand their leverage, how, you know, I'm talking about understanding our leverage, brands understand their leverage, and a lot of big brands will give you just shoes for for free content, you know, not understanding that this free content, you know, agencies get paid $30,000 for, and then, you know, in, like regular creatives get paid five to 10k for, and you're just getting free shoes because you don't know your value, you know, so and, and at times taking advantage of, of your youthness and taking advantage of the fact that you need logos on your on your name. You know, once again, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be here to repeat it. Uh, I think it's the end of, in fact, I, I would go as far as to say it's the end of, <laughs> of the, of the logo, logo centrism, you know, um, of, uh, because, um, because everybody has worked for Nike now. Everybody has worked for some version of a big brand. Everybody has leverage. Everybody has name drops, right? Everybody has a famous friend or whatever. Everybody has an influential friend, a friend with a blue check, whatever the fuck that is. You like, it's super facade shit, but none of that cuts through the meat and the meat is the value. What do you have to propose? How do we win together? How do we get more equity in the market? How do we like uplift each other and, and work in a way that makes you as a brand bigger, but also makes me grow as a creative, 
you know, and to me, that is the ethos that we all need to live through and that we all need to internalize in order for us to be better creatives, better business people, and ultimately better human citizens. Oh, wow. Wow. I 100% agree with you. And uh, I could talk about this, let's say, for ages on, 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 on this podcast, but we need to, you know, have, have a kind of ending thing. So let's, uh, I will ask you one last question. And I think it's going to be a very hard question, but we can leave uh, our creatives with something in their pocket, you know, after this conversation. So the last question is, uh, if you could tell three things you wish you knew when you started out, uh, what would be that? It's, it's going to be counterintuitive. Um, the three things that I wish I knew when I was first starting out. Uh, the first thing would be... Uh, I thought um, it was going to be hard. <laughs> you're... you're <laughs> I know, it got me thinking about it because there's so many things... That, there's so many things I wish I knew, you know. I think the first thing would be... Dream bigger. Oh wow! I, okay. I I know I know it sounds crazy, you know, and I think I dreamed pretty big. I I dreamed pretty big, but I dreamed only externally big, as in, you know, the billboards, the brands, the the celebrities, the traveling, and um. You know, I, I got I got through all that phase. I I did it and realized, once again, it, it was an, it was an empty <laughs> empty light at the end of the tunnel. You know, because it, that's not the purpose. The purpose is not the brand. The purpose is the quality of the work that will get you those brands many times over. Is the sustainability of that vision, you know. Um, so dream bigger and, and dream. And, and, and with that, I mean, dream, dream bigger and deeper. That's what I mean. So, so my, the first thing that I, that, I, that I will tell myself is dream bigger and deeper. So find a, the truest meaning that is unachievable that will forever have you on a journey. That will be the first thing. You know, the second thing would be um, read more about economics. I mean, I luckily, you know, I'm very privileged to have gone to economics school. So I, I spent three years learning about economics. And I think that's why I'm a, I'm a better businessman um, than your regular creative. But it's not because I'm any smarter. It's mostly because, you know, I learned things that I <laughs> didn't think useful but that ended up being super useful, like opportunity cost. You know, Google that and, and you'll be surprised. Like, that's a good way to start. Um, so learn more about economics and the intricacy of that and, and the power of leverage. That's something that I really honestly learned like three, not even that long ago. I've came to realize that leverage is what moves the world, is what makes people do things they don't want to do, is what pushes people to do things differently, is what is what is it's the incentive to humanity and the system behind it is 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 leverage. So learn that leverage. And three, I would say, uh don't ever have an ego and always be a student. Uh, you know, the little story I spoke about, levitation photography, man, I, I really thought I was that one. You know, I'm that person that, that created this trend, that created this this technique, that, that changed the, foot, the footwear game or whatever that is. But that's not for me to say. That's for the market to say. You know, I'm going to prove it with my work. I, you know, if, you, if you're looking to, you know, to see what my work looks like, Google it. You know, like I'm not here to tell you what to believe in. If you like my work, amazing. If you don't, it's okay. And and having and, and detaching my ego from my work has been a personal uh, achievement that I think I've been working for quite a long time. You know, ego stops you. Ego um, makes you vulnerable uh, to be defensive. You know, people you know, critique your work. All of a sudden, you feel like somebody stabbed you. No, critique my work. The work is right there. The work is part of a conversation. It's part of a self analysis. There's nothing wrong or right about my work. You know, it's up to you to decide. And so taking the ego out of everything, I think, um, has opened me for this, the, the potential to be a student again. And, and as I said before, man, I've been more than happier now than ever before because I'm a student of the game again. I'm not looking at myself as this high overachiever who, work, who, who has worked with these big brands. I'm looking at myself as, listen, I'm just a, I'm just a creative um, who's humble enough to be able to do what he does for a living. You know, and, and that's, that's what I want my, my work to reflect and, and my work to, to evoke. That's beautiful, Eric. Thank you for those. Thank you for this, you know, an hour and a half deep 
conversation. It was an hour and a half? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> oh my God. And well, that was fast. <laughs> yeah, that was fast. And that was beautiful, to be honest with you, I, I must admit. And and it passed Thank away like, like a flash. Uh, <laughs> uh, so for the, for the creatives that are still here to listen to us, where they can find you and where they can l- learn from you and most importantly, with where they can get inspired from you. <laughs> Thank you, man. I mean, you can find me on, on Instagram, I guess. I go by Eric Hercules, E-R-I-C-K. So it's both a C and a K, Eric Hercules, uh, H-E-R-C-U-L-E-S, Hercules. Um, and, uh, you know, you can follow us on, on Uncommon and Community. I mean, all, all my all my brands and all my my communities will be on my on my main Instagram page. Um, Nick, I, I thank you so much for having me, man. It was it was a it was a beautiful experience talking to you once again, getting to know each other and speaking my mind. Sorry if I talk a little too much. I hope you don't. I hope you don't mind. I don't. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, thank you, man, and and humble to, to everybody that's listened. And I, I I appreciate you. I wish you the best on your journey. And remember, everything is everything is a process. So so patience truly is a virtue. So manage patience, and you'll find yourself a lot happier. And also, you know, focus on the process and not on the end goal. I'm telling you, I've been there. I've done that. The end goal isn't half as as fun as the process is. So always be a student of the game. Amazing. Thank you again, Eric, for joining us in today's episode. It was beautiful. I learned personally. I learned a lot. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you for everybody who is listening to us today's in today's episode. Uh, feel free to give us any kind of feedback, even on the Instagram, on the website, or wherever you could listen to this podcast. And see you on the next one. Peace.